Beautiful. This is, so this is the first time we've had live choir. Well, we had it at Christmas Eve, but the first time since the pandemic started. So it's really so, so touching that little bits and pieces are coming back together. And, you know, normally we have uh, the choir loft is filled with what we call the, the flat choir, which is the, the mystics, these cardboard cutouts. And some of you are fortunate enough to be sitting next to a flat choir member. I think some of them went away, but my dog Saraswati was sitting there next to, <laughs> next to Bob and Mari. Let's hold up Saraswati. She's dressed as a nun. Yeah, 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 there she is, right. You can turn her around so everybody can see her, yeah. <laughs> Eckhart Tolle's looking pretty creepy up there in the balcony. <laughs> he's he's kind of staring at me, but I think I can cope. <laughs> But anyway, all that aside, we have a, a ritual that we want to do this morning um, as opposed to going straight into the message. We have these people in our church that we call practitioners, and they're, I would say the best description of them is that they are prayer counselors and also um, prayer, uh, prayer ministers. And they assist the church in so many wonderful, wonderful ways, just too many to name, but they are really the, the heartbeat of the center. And they have to be licensed. So we have um, service pins that we give to them after a certain period of time, after a certain period of licensing. And so we're going to be handing out service pins today because we couldn't do it during the pandemic because we weren't open. So I'm going to invite all of the practitioners that are being honored. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna have you all come onto the stage just for, for fun. So um, Bob and Mari are coming up here. And then, sh well, Cheryl lives in a different town right now, but Jeanette and Vicki are coming up. And Kim is away in Switzerland, I think, but Bill and Diane are coming up, and then Doreen, and, um, and then Bernie, and Deborah Gibson, and Christine is going to be my lovely assistant here. So why don't you all come up on stage, hang out there, whatever you want, don't worry about it. I'll stand back here so it's, um, so it's a little, so you guys can be the, the center of attention. Just across there, yeah, 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 yeah. We, we actually did not rehearse this, can you tell? <laughs> yeah, yes it is, right. So um, I wanna start by welcoming two practitioners that have recently joined our center, and I'm going to ask Bob and Mari to step forward. Bob and Mari, would you step, not, not off the cliff, but just step forward a little bit. <laughs> yes, that, this is Bob and Mari, they're from North Hollywood and they recently joined our center. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you are going to love them. I've enjoyed having both Bob and Mari in class, and they're just beautiful people with big hearts and, and great minds. So um, just make, it, make a point to get to know them, if you would. And then we're honoring several folks for duration of service. Our, our newest practitioners for duration, is duration a bad word, Deborah? <laughs> Tenure, tenure, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Cheryl Ostrander, uh, she, she's somebody that moved away just a couple of months ago, but she did most of her service here, so we sent her five-year pin to where that she's gone, to that trader church that she's gone to. <laughs> no, we love her, and I, I gave her very high recommendations. So Cheryl, if you're watching, we love you. Your five-year pin is with you. And then we're also, okay, yeah, okay, clap for Cheryl. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And then the two people that graduated with Cheryl are Vicki and her mother, Jeanette. So Vicki and Jeanette are going to get five-year pins. So if you could turn around and accept your five-year pin and then hold it up for everybody to see. I'll pass it to, there you go. This is Vicki. Thank you, Vicki. Thank you for your service. Beautiful. And then uh, the next group of people is a, is a group that 
graduated 10 years ago, and that is Kim, who is on vacation right now, but also Mr. Bill, our wonderful youth and family dude who gives a little talk most of the time and dresses like a bunny and will do any indignity that we ask him to do. <laughs> and then Diane, who has been a loyal, very loyal practitioner and a, and a source and a goddess of prayer for, for so many years. And so we're, we're offering 10-year pins to you, Kim, and to Diane, Kim, and Bill. There you go. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> We have one 15-year pin that goes to Doreen, who came from Agape and has been just an, another source of grace and wisdom serving in so many ways. She's right now serving as the practitioner for the board, so she prays for all of our things that come up in the board. So let's go ahead and give Doreen her 15-year pin. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and then I'm going to ask all of you except for Bernie and Deborah to return to your seats just for fun. Okay, just for fun, you can stay up here too, because I really want these two to be, to be featured. Um, because Bernie and Deborah have, as I said before, endured <laughs> 20 years of practitioner service. And when, yes, okay, there you go. <laughs> let, let me, in fact, let me change that to celebrated 20 years of practitioner service because it is a joy to serve and they have been a, a joy to the center. Deborah started in another center and then went to another center and then came here. And she actually turned into a practitioner emeritus a little while ago, a couple of years ago, right at the start of the pandemic, right? So we could not give her her pin. So she gets a special pin that says that she's a practitioner emeritus. And this is for you, Deborah. Thank you so much for all of your service. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we also have two posthumous 20-year pins for, oh, not two, sorry, one posthumous pin for um, Fred Mondragon, who passed away, and Karen Mondragon, who's, who did not get their 20-year pins. So let's celebrate Fred and Karen. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and then there's Bernie. Bernie, who has been a, a beautiful lamp un, of service unto the center. Bernie, who will do anything that we ask her to. Bernie moved my car during a funeral in time <laughs> and came back all happy that my car plays a little tune when you start it, right? She, she greets, she, she serves, she is our minister of appreciation. She just does a wonderful job in so many ways. And, and I, w I just want to tell you to both and tell everybody that emeritus practitioner is, is nothing to sneeze at. They have to really go through a, a protocol to achieve this. So um, we honor both of them and in this moment we honor Bernie with a certificate there you go with a practitioner emeritus um, name tag that you get to wear now and also your 20-year pin okay so let's give lots of love to Deborah and Bernie thank you Yay! <laughs> thank you and just love to all of the practitioners who serve on such a consistent basis, who got us through this last couple of years with just their prayers and their devotion to the congregation, to the leadership, to all of us. So thank you so much. Okay. All right. Okay. So you ready for a spiritual message? 
<laughs> I'm not sure that I am, but you know, let's give it a whirl, see what, see what happens. So um, the, the talk today is about guiding principles. And, and I'm just, you know, was curious um, if anybody's struggling with anything right now, how might you apply a guiding principle to help you in your, in your struggles, to help you overcome something that may feel like an obstacle to you? I'm feeling an obstacle right now and that the slide is not changing. <laughs> I guess you have to turn it on. There it is, yay, okay. <laughs> so are there times when you don't know how to get to where you need to go? Whether it's overcoming, like I said, a challenge, overcoming an obstacle, maybe there's a difficult person in your life, maybe there's a, a difficult financial situation, and you know that you wanna be from, from here and go there. So how do we deal with that? Well, there's a parable. A Buddhist monk <laughs> was standing by a river and he really, really, really wanted to cross that river. But the river was turbulent and it looked like it was deep and it looked like the rocks were slippery and he didn't know how to get from one side to the other. But then a miracle happened and he saw another Buddhist monk who was on the other side. And so the first Buddhist monk called to the second Buddhist monk and he said, my brother, my brother, how did you get to the other side? And the second Buddhist monk said, wait a minute, you are on the other side. <laughs> it's kind of a mystery, isn't it? <laughs> it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor that uh, I think the, the first part of the metaphor is that we all have, it may seem like we all have a, a river Jordan or a river something or other to cross. Some, like I said before, like we're here and we want to get over there. We want to be past this particular thing that we're struggling with in our lives. But it's also a perspective parable. It's a perspective metaphor in that the solution is where you are. The monk was already where he, where he, where he was. You know, it's a matter of perspective of, to the other side. We want to get to the other side, but maybe the other side is right where we are. Maybe the other side of a situation is right where we are. As Eric Butterworth says, there is an allness in every illness, that hidden within every illness, whether it's a, an illness of the body or an illness of the soul or the heart, there is an allness in every illness, and also there is a sufficiency hidden in every insufficiency. And so guiding principles, guiding principles are embedded in every single obstacle that we encounter. In fact, when an obstacle comes up, we can celebrate because it gives us an opportunity to go deeper into our principles, to go deeper into our spiritual, spiritual truth, and to rise into a new place of being that is right where we are, that's a paradox, right? To rise into a new place of being that is already with us, but to be able to apply the spiritual principles on a deeper level. So what is a guiding principle? It's a God quality. So in this spiritual teaching, if you're not familiar with God qualities, we call God qualities things like love or peace or joy, um, happiness, integrity, justice, respect, all of those things, all of those, all of those uh, that some might call virtues that, that are present within each of us but sometimes need to be awakened. A God quality feels good. It feels like an alignment. When we step into a God quality, let's say we step into greater kindness or greater love, it feels like something has shifted and there's an alignment in our soul when we start to embody a God quality. A God quality is also immeasurable and priceless. That's part of the way you can tell if something that you're calling forth is truly a God quality in that you can't measure it. You, can't, you cannot measure it and it's priceless. It's absolutely priceless. It means that, that you, you get it for free but it's priceless. And then, Seen or unseen, a God quality is there. 
Just like I was saying before, in that in every obstacle, there is an opportunity embedded in it. We can't always see the opportunity, but it is there. Cynthia Bourgeau likens it to the moon. You know, when you look at the moon, and sometimes it's full, right? And then the moon disappears. It goes through phases, and it disappears. But the moon is still there. You know, imagine the first people of the Earth when they saw a full moon, and they're like, wow, that's awesome. And then it went away, and they're like, well, it was nice while it lasted, right? <laughs> A God quality is like the moon. It is always there, even when we can't see it. God qualities, they're omnipresent and always present. They are everywhere, everywhere. That's compost, um, my favorite thing, as you may know. Uh, <laughs> last Sunday on Easter, I talked about how Thich Nhat Hanh, the Buddhist teacher, talked about compost, and, and he talked about rose, roses and garbage, how they're really the same thing that a mystic will be able to look at a rose and see that it will someday become garbage or compost. And a mystic will also be able to look at garbage and see that it came from a rose, that the two are inexplicably intertwined. And so God qualities are always present. And God qualities are things, as I said, like love, joy, peace, integrity, abundance, order, respect, or other, anything that feels good, that feels like it's deep and spiritual and priceless and immeasurable, those things are always present. But like the garbage in the rose, we can't always see them. We can't always see the rose in the garbage, right? So we just are aware that even when we can't see it, something in us shifts to know that even in the, in the greatest adversity, there is a God quality present that is longing to emerge. <clears throat> God qualities are what I like to call ambassadors of wholeness. This teaching is very much about wholeness. Our, the science of mind teaching is very much about the principle of wholeness, which means that, first of all, there is only one life. That life is the life of spirit, and we all are one with that life. Not only us here in this center, but everything, everywhere, is the life of that one life that is spirit. That's wholeness. And that we unify with that life, that we, that we call it our own, and we know that it belongs to everybody, that we're all connected, not only through breath, but through being. That there is this beautiful energy that connects all of us, and it's, it's a mystery. It's, it's hard for the, what we call the binary operating system, the ego or the brain, to figure out what that is. But it's often captured in spiritual sayings. Uh, one of the reasons I have an ocean picture here is that Rumi said that we are not, well, I'm paraphrasing, <coughs> I'm paraphrasing him and kind of making a cross between Rumi and Mother Teresa here. But uh, I don't think they knew each other. But anyway, <laughs> maybe on the other side they know each other. Mother Teresa said we are all a drop in the ocean. We are only a drop in the ocean. But Rumi said we are also the ocean in a drop. So that quality of ocean is in every single one of us. This <coughs> Buddhist teacher said, if the cosmos exists, then the smallest speck of dust exists. If the cosmos exists, then the smallest speck of dust exists. And if the smallest speck of dust doesn't exist, then the whole cosmos doesn't exist. Can you sit with that for a minute? If the cosmos exists, then the smallest spe speck of dust is part of existence and therefore important. But if the smallest speck of dust doesn't exist, then it means the cosmos doesn't exist. That's quite a leap in consciousness. <laughs> but let's look at it in terms of, say, a God quality, such as love. If the cosmos exists, then the smallest speck of love exists, even when you can't see it. And if the smallest speck of love doesn't exist, then the whole cosmos doesn't exist. Now, this would be a conversation, really. This is much more of a conversation piece than a sermon piece. But if you want to, go ahead, go home and think about this.
Think about the intertwining of everything. Think about that in God there is no great or small, that everything just is. And recognize that we are stardust, quoting my friend Joni Mitchell, my mentor Joni Mitchell, I don't know her personally, but, <laughs> but that we are stardust and we're returning to that, that consciousness of stardust. How beautiful is that? And what are we going to do with that energy? Well, we have to recognize it, first of all. We have to recognize our oneness. We have to recognize God qualities. And then we have to unify with it. Recognizing, unifying with the, the fact that we truly are stardust, that we truly are the cosmos, that we truly are the love that exists everywhere, that we truly are the kindness that exists everywhere, the joy that exists everywhere, that in every single thing, every single thing is unified with love and joy and peace and happiness. Again, even when we can't see it, remember the moon, even when we can't see it, it is there. And then, sometimes, to help us see it better, sometimes renunciation is required. We don't use the word renunciation a lot in this teaching, but I've come across it recently in a, um, in a conversation I was having with one of my spiritual teachers. Sometimes renunciation is required, and we're not always fond of renunciation. What can we renounce? Mainly we're renouncing our attachment. You know, some of the great mystics say that we, we really can have what we want, we just are not supposed to attach to it. Because when we attach to things, we fail to recognize the impermanent nature of existence and we're kind of fighting against truth. But some things that we might want to consider renouncing, if we're trying to navigate a problem or a situation, trying to find a solution, we might want to renounce the urge and the attachment to changing others. <laughs> this is a dog who has had a makeover. <laughs> and I ask you, my brothers and sisters, in earnest, I ask you, have you ever tried to do, let's say, a spousal makeover, right? <laughs> I know I have. <laughs> have you ever tried to change somebody, desperately needing somebody to change so that, you can, so that they can be more like you want them to be, right? We may need to renounce our attachment to changing others. Hmm. Sorry, <laughs> but it's true. We may need to also renounce our attachment to form, right? So often when we have a problem, we say the solution looks like this. The solution has to look like this or I won't be satisfied. You know, this, this brings me to um, something I meant to say before. Um, I've told you this before, but it, it bears repeating because I, I, I use this principle in my, in my life a lot. I used to occasionally counsel like couples, married couples, and I, I just, I don't feel that I'm very good at it, so I don't do it anymore. There's people, practitioners, that are much more qualified to do that than I am. But anyway, one of the things that I did, one of the, one of the few tricks that I had up my sleeve was I would ask them to think of a God quality that they could both agree upon, right? Maybe something like I love love. We'll, we'll agree upon love. <laughs> Does that mean I get to change him to be more loving? No. <laughs> I would ask them to agree upon a God quality, a principle, release the need to change others, and also release the attachment to the form that the love, that, that the, the form that the love needed to take. So we select, we find a God quality that wants to be expressed. We release the need to change others, and we also release our attachment to form and when we release our attachment to form, then the universe can surprise us, right? Because our knowledge of what can be is limited, but the universe's knowledge of what can be is infinite. 
So we find a God quality. We release the need to change anything other than ourselves. <laughs> and then we also release to the, the attachment to the form that it needs to take. Is anyone here obsessed with making Excel spreadsheets? Oh, aren't you sweet? Oh, you're really, she's really good at it. Doreen is good at it too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love an Excel spreadsheet because I feel like if it's in Excel, I have some control because if it's in Excel, it's going to happen. <laughs> it it doesn't, doesn't really work, does it? <laughs> I make plans, the best laid plans of mice and men, right? Often go astray. That's not the real poem, but that's basically the gist of it, right? So attachment to form. We relinquish, we renounce attachment to form. And the, uh, the other thing is the need for proof that it's working. Oh. Okay, show of hands again, or show of pinkies if you're shy. How many of you have ever planted a seed and then dug it up to see if it's growing? <laughs> oh, more than me. I feel so much better about myself right now. Thank you so much. Yeah, I've done that many times. But it's, it's not only digging up seeds. It's like, it's like planting seeds of prayer. You know, I've, I have done prayers with people, with practitioners, and my eye has been, you know, one eye open. Is it working yet? Is it working yet? Is it working yet? Same with meditation. Same with meditation. You do the meditation, and you're like, well, I guess I'm enlightened now. Because <laughs> I meditated that one time. And, <laughs> you know, so we're, we're, always looking, we're always looking for proof. We're always attached to, to the proof that what we're doing is working. When the truth is, again, like the moon, the process is often hidden until we're ready to see it. How about that? That kind of stinks, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, it's like we have, to have the, we have to have the vision first, and then the proof comes after. <sighs> that God is a rascal, right? Just a rascal. But faith is good. It is good to build faith. It is good to build faith and good to, to relinquish the need for proof and to, to start building these, these kind of intangible, immeasurable spiritual muscles that we have, this, this muscle of faith that we have that's just such a beautiful thing. It really is the solution to everything, right? Okay. So another thing about non-clinging or renunciation or non-attachment, whatever it is you want to call it, release, we usually call it release in, in this teaching, is that it builds... It invokes subtler mystical realms. And what I said that before about how, you know, when we're, when we're looking for a form and we, we know what the solution needs to look like, we know how the other person needs to change, and we need proof, all of those things are limiting to us. But if we're invoking subtler mystical realms, that opens us up to the infinite power and presence of God. That in opens us up to the infinite capacity of God to create, a something, to create something through us or for us that is beyond our human understanding, beyond the limitations of what we've known in the past. I think a beautiful symbol of this is, is that. Does anybody know what that is? Yes, it's birds. It's a murmuration of starlings, right? Here on Earth Day, what a beautiful, or around Earth Day, what a beautiful thing to celebrate is the, the flight of birds. And, you know, it's, it's just so, so beautiful how they, they do this pattern. And that, that's... Um, that's just one of many patterns that they do. You've probably seen the murmuration of starlings. It looks like a big bird flying through the, through, the, um, through the cosmos. And then there's another one that looks like a heart. And there's, I have a video of it that I'll show sometime. But that's, that's a, a mystical realm that all of these birds are flying somehow in concert. And it's a metaphor for the universe that there are many, many things that we have no control over that are flying together in concert. They're flying together. And it's, it's also this, this beautiful metaphor that, that everything is simultaneously significant and insignificant. Like this, this pattern, to me, is so significant. And 
And the third bird from the left, right? The third bird from the left probably doesn't know that he is significant. That's like a, a theater term, right? We say, who did you play in the show? Well, I was the third girl from the left, you know? But the third bird from the left probably doesn't know that he is significant. But if he wasn't there, the pattern wouldn't be the same. And the same thing is true for all of us. We are simultaneously so important to this universe. Our capacity to, to work with spiritual principles is, is so important, and yet at the same time it feels insignificant because it feels small, and it, sometimes it feels like it isn't even working. But trust with me that it is part of a beautiful, beautiful pattern of grace that is evolving through all things. The other thing about this is just to remember, as, it, as this pattern of grace, as our spiritual work, even if we don't trust it at first, even if we have to let go of a whole bunch of stuff, even if we can't see it, if it's like the moon and we can't see it, it is part of a greater pattern of emergence. And all of the things that are going on the in the world, all of the things that might trouble us, all of the things that might bring us stress, what if those things too are also a greater pattern of emergence that we can't see right now? Some of us may be starting to see it. Some of us probably have already identified blessings that have come from various things that have happened in the last few years, but it's all part of emergence. I believe that to be true because of just studying mystical theology and also looking at nature and the emergence that happens in nature as in this murmuration of starlings. So whatever we're going through, it's part of an emergence, and it's not a stopping point. You know, one of the things that I, that I often talk about is um, back in the day when we used to play videos, right? I don't know why this works better with a video, but like let's say you're watching The Sound of Music and you pull out the video, you give up in the video, like right when um, Fraulein Maria um, goes to the trap von Trapp children and, and they're giving her a hard time. And you would say to yourself, well, that's, about a, that's a movie about someone who A, couldn't hack it as a nun and B, couldn't even hack it as a governess, right? What happens with us is that we often pull out that video too soon, that we're in process and that something better is coming but we give up and we say, life is, life is this way, this is a struggle, this is in insurmountable, but we just have to keep moving through and recognize that we are part of a greater emergence. Your practice matters. Speaking of mattering, your, your practice matters. Our practice matters. Part of the practice is renouncing the attachment to form-based solution, right? You release the attachment to the form. You know, if you think of a problem that you have right now and you're probably coming up with all kinds of lists of what the solution needs to look like, just for a minute, just let go of that. Just let go of what the solution needs to look like. And just allow a little room for grace to come in. And you can pick it up again if you want to, but just practice for one moment, letting go of the form of the solution. And just feel that spaciousness. We also renounce attachment to known solutions, right, again. Same thing, just take, do it again. Take a moment to just look at what you think you know and just let it go, let it go. And just rest in that spaciousness, knowing that that is room for God, room for love. And then we surrender and trust one or more of the God qualities to guide you, whatever it is. Part of that work is discerning what God quality is yours to, yours to hold. So the practice, the practice is seeing the problem and renouncing, as I just said, renouncing all of the attachments to the way the solution needs to look. But it's also asking, what do I want to feel? What do I want to feel in terms of God qualities? Do I want to feel greater love? Do I want to feel greater peace? Do I want to feel greater joy? Do I want to feel a deeper sense of integrity? Do I want to feel a deeper sense of truthfulness to myself and all beings? Do I want to feel a deeper sense of respect, not only for myself, but for all beings? So we ask ourselves, what do we want to feel? Keep it simple, keep it short, what do I want to feel? 
And then we identify that as a God quality. What God quality wants to emerge? Usually one word is best, love, truth, peace, happiness, but you can have more than one. You can have love, truth, peace, and happiness, okay? And then we discern the, the God quality and we usher it into detached form. We allow it to, to assume the form that it wants to assume, the greater love, the greater peace, the greater happiness, but we help it along through meditation off the mat, through practice in the real world. Actions of love, care, attention. Notice when that God quality is showing up. It does, if you want more love, it doesn't need to show up as a, as a, as a spouse or a, a partner. It can show up as a, as a, as a puppy, as a, as a little child who comes up to you and hugs you. Start noticing how omnipresent these God qualities are and then give thanks for it, as it said in the reading, giving thanks for our Mother Earth giving thanks for all of, the, all of the, the beautiful things that are happening in your life right now because I'm, I trust that the beauty in your life outweighs what is challenging in our lives, right? And specific, specific applications of the God qualities, the principle, the guiding principle, help our garden grow, help our grace grow. And I'm going to give you an example of this, how this worked in, in the life of this center. Um, some of you may know this, but our beloved office manager, Annette, who has worked here with me for, I've been here about 18 years, and she's been here about 16 years. She told me at the end of last year that she wanted to retire. I know. <gasps> I know. <laughs> and there's Barbie, too. Barbie was, was also going to move on for other reasons, but Annette and Barbie both were going to move on. We didn't know what to do. I went over to Lonnie's house with... Um, five or six spreadsheets. <laughs> Here's a picture of Lonnie. Now that's an old picture, but it's kind of out of focus, but Lonnie loves a dumpster, okay? This is during a church cleanup day, I think, because I don't really recognize the, the surroundings. Uh, do you go into other dumpsters besides the church dumpsters? That's Lonnie jumping around in a dumpster. Anyway, I went over to Lonnie's house and we sat there with our, you know, our many spreadsheets and we just looked at them and, and kind of drooled, <laughs> kind of didn't know what to do. Nothing made sense. We couldn't find a solution. We didn't know what to do. And we wanted a solution because we want the well-being of the church. Lonnie is the board president, by the way, for those of you who don't know. And so we talked and we discussed and we, we stressed and I think we might have prayed a little. <laughs> and... And then as I, I was about to leave, Lonnie said something that turned my consciousness around. And she said, you know what? We're looking for somebody to serve the needs of the church. What if the needs of the church could be a great gift to somebody who has exactly what we need to give? So we moved from being served to offering service to somebody through this open position. And that led me to contemplate more God qualities. That led me to contemplate, okay, what are we actually going to give this person that comes to work with us? Well, a very joyful work environment by the way, a beautiful congregation, a wonderful church where it is a privilege to serve, a, a, an opportunity to be at a job that actually grows your spirit and grows your heart. So much more, so much more because it truly is a privilege to serve here. And so we, we pondered that. We sat with the God qualities for a while and then through, you know how I said that the God qualities are often hidden? They're like the moon. Well, this moon was taking a long time to show up, let me tell you. <laughs> it was really hidden. I was like one of the indigenous people, like, well, the moon's gone. What are we going to do? 
because uh, by the way, I mean, meant to mention that Annette is fantastic. I mean, she's been here for 16 years, and she's she's a, a great asset to the church in terms of not only what she does, but also um, her personality. She has a, a sense of humor, and she relates well to uh, my bizarre sense of humor. <laughs> and the same with Barbie, too. Barbie is a great asset as well, just a beautiful artistic soul. But anyway, sat with these God qualities, started expanding it into all of those things. We're, we're offering compassion, we're offering support, we're offering service, we're offering um, <coughs> generosity, we're offering spiritual wisdom, we're offering spiritual truth. Somebody's going to need that. Somebody's going to need that, and they're going to want to come here. They're going to want to work here. And guess who showed up? <gasps> Jennifer Hadress. <laughs> <laughs> So for those of you who don't know, Jennifer Hadris is a practitioner here. She's actually training with Annette right now. And she is, um, she's a, a, a ministerial student. She's about to become a minister. And she really wanted a position where she could learn more about running a church. And so she was grateful to have this position. And she's already bringing such strength and such goodness to this, to this position that we know that God had a hand and a foot and a leg and a knee and an elbow in it. God elbowed me and Lonnie aside with our plans and said, just wait, just wait. Let me show you what I can do. But the even better news is that Jennifer is really flexible, and she may not want to work all the hours that she needs to work, so Barbie is sticking around for a little bit. <laughs> That's Barbie dressed in one of her costumes called the Church Lady, based on the Saturday Night Live Church Lady, right? See what I mean? This is what we do here. We're, you know, we kind of roll in a different way. And the other good news is that Annette is sticking around a little bit, too. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah. Annette was so excited that she, you know, no. <laughs> That's actually, <laughs> just so you know, that's from an old picture from an Easter Sunday where Annette accidentally walked into a fountain and it went all over the front of her dress. <laughs> and then she had to walk in front of the whole church and, and we were like, what are you, you going to do? <laughs> I think it was Peter who said, why don't you turn your dress around? And <laughs> I'm like, oh, absolutely, because a huge wet spot in the back is so much better than a huge wet spot in the beginning. <laughs> but then it was Bernie, our practitioner emeritus, who said, here's a huge basket. Just carry this Easter basket in front of you. <laughs> and nobody will know. Until now, people, there you go. <laughs> so I want us to do one quick thing before we close. Let's all bellow after me. Say, thank you, Barbie. Thank you, Barbie. And let's bellow, thank you, Jennifer, who's in there. Thank you, Jennifer. And let's bellow, thank you, Annette. And let's also bellow thank you, Lonnie, because she supported me so much in this. Thank you, Lonnie. Yay. <laughs> All right. So, again, values, respect, transparency, kindness, good for all. It's been a beautiful process and so much more beautiful than what was represented on my spreadsheet, I have to confess. <laughs> so if you're stuck in a problem, here's what you do, Okay. There is nothing to be healed, quoting Ernest Holmes, there is nothing to be healed, only a God quality to be, wait for it, good, some of you know the answer, revealed, right? And also embodied, doing the work of bringing, making the word flesh, bringing that spirit into form through gratitude and all of the things we talked about, practicing, noticing, attention, all of those things. 
There is nothing to be healed, only a God quality to be revealed. And if you apply that in your lives, look at a place where you might feel stuck and just say, what God quality wants to, wants to come through me right here and right now? What do I need to let go of? What do I need to renounce? What do I need to release? Whatever word works for you, I guarantee that your lives will shine. Mm. If we renounce attachment and then invoke what is best for all, and that was part of our work process with the office staff, is that we really, really wanted to try and invoke what was best for all. Greater than a compromise, but a, but a quadruple win that included the church in that loop. What is best for all. We invoke what is best for all, then we inspire wholeness. This gives room for wholeness to show up. Wholeness has a place to shine and to show itself so that we can be inspired by it. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that doesn't mean a place that you get to go when you die. The kingdom of heaven is at hand right here and right now. And as we said last week on Easter Sunday, quoting Neil Douglas Klotz, who is an Aramaic translator of the wisdom of Jesus, he said that the kingdom of heaven can also be defined as the I can-ness of God right here on earth. God moving through us in an I can spirit like anything is possible. It's the invincibility of the I am presence that we sing about every single Sunday. The I am presence that lives and moves and has its being in each and every one of us and in every single person, every single being. The and it is invincible. And we manage, we find, we become that invincibility, yes, through deep surrender to something that we all could really enjoy surrendering to. The grace, the power, the love, the spirit, the joy that is immeasurable and priceless when we say yes to it. Let's surrender now. Let us pray. <clears throat>